How do real estate professionals like you, who have dozens of different responsibilities and competing priorities, win at the game of real estate? And how do we build a business while selling our services and finding a group of people that will allow us to change and grow intentionally and relevantly so we keep up with the rapidly evolving real estate market? And how do we do this in a way that's authentic to the life we each want to live, where we want to live it, and in a way that honors our true gifts and core values? We are all at different stages in our journey, but we all have many things to learn from each other. And that is why we started this podcast. My name is Megan Marsh. And I am Andre Munar. And this is the Collab Podcast, where we will be speaking with different real estate industry business leaders and how they're staying relevant, shifting, and pivoting their business so that you can learn new ways to adapt to your business and how you can stay relevant. We are two business partners of a mortgage brokers that seven years ago decided we needed and wanted to change the way we did business, change what our business looked like and who we served. We realized if we were ever gonna get out of the grind and have a bigger impact in our industry, in our communities, and with our employees and for our clients and business relationships that we served, we needed to begin evolving and changing and we believe so do you. We teach people how much stronger we all can be if we work together, not against one another. We want to encourage all of you to learn from one another in a way that ensures financial growth and security for more of us out there. Real estate industry leaders are those of you that make the dream of home ownership a reality to so many Americans, no matter which role you play. You could be a real estate agent, a team leader, a broker, a mortgage loan officer, a mortgage broker, an appraiser, a title agent, an insurance agent, how do you build a solid business with predictable income? A business that also allows you to travel and be there for your family and leave a legacy. How do you continuously change and evolve in this game of real estate? Becoming relevant is the name of the game. It's also the question, and this podcast is gonna give you the answers. Welcome back collaborators for a three-part series where we're interviewing three different business owners, specifically in the mortgage industry. And we wanted to today bring on um, a different set of mortgage professionals. Uh, we started this series to help any of you listening potentially make the decision whether you want to go from an employee to an entrepreneur and how you can know if you're going off on your own is the right decision for you. How can you be sure that what you have uh, turns into a successful business? Maybe you don't want it to be a full business. Maybe you just want it to be a solopreneur, just like we talked to our last guest. Um, and how can you be sure that customers will find you or, or that you're even going to get customers because as an entrepreneur, if you don't get any customers, you don't make any money. So on today's episode, we're bringing you two amazing business owners and asking them, what were the red flags that made them start considering opening up their own company? What types of businesses have they set up? How have they set them up? Where they started and how long it took them to get to where they are today, which is an important fact. I think a lot of people think that, oh, you just opened up a company and overnight you're going to be successful. doesn't work that way. And we want to remind you, one of my favorite sayings is, 
especially in a lot of loan officer groups, is that there's a million ways to skin a cat, right? If, if you want to be your own person and just work by yourself, that's cool. If you want to build a team, that's cool. Um, and like I said, today we're going to be talking about two people who are actually building companies and businesses um, and impacting lives. Again, it's getting clear on what you want specifically, what you want out of your life. What does that vision look like? Uh, what do your goals look like? And then executing on it. One of the reasons that we did this podcast is uh, for any type of entrepreneur, but in this series specifically, we're going to talk about mortgages and you know what we're building here. And my co-host here, Megan, will give you a little bit more information on some exciting news that we have and on what we're building. And as a reminder, for any of you who are in the mortgage industry that are listening to the podcast, if you are still an employee somewhere and you're eager to understand and know if becoming a business owner is the right next step for you, Andre and I have been working together and creating a course called My Broker Fast Track for any loan officers who have that entrepreneurial itch or you know, simply want to know if opening your own business is a viable option for you. Uh, we're going to be interviewing today two broker owners who have built large financial brokerages and they aren't done yet, I think we'll learn. Um, they've started more than just their brokerage. They are builders, I like to call them, who want multiple streams of income. They are entrepreneurs at the core, which is something I relate to. Uh, and I'm sure you all have heard in our episodes. And so I think that it will be great for any of you out there who want to do more, become more, you know, create a legacy. And as a reminder, at the end of the episode, we will be giving you the option to download a PDF uh, and just telling you how you can jump in, learn more about Broker Fast Track, join our webinar that will show you the behind the scenes of Broker Fast Track uh, if you're on the fence with a big decision like this. So without waiting any further, we want to welcome Evan Wade, owner of Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers and Epic Lending, as well as Glenn Groves, owner of GTG Financial. Hi, guys. Welcome to the collab. Hello, thank you for having us. You know, we've shared with our listeners that because we're in the mortgage industry, and really this can apply to any industry, that you can start a business and it can be any size you want. But before we dig into your businesses, which I find very interesting, and I can't wait for you to share them, can you guys each, maybe Evan, if you want to start quick and then Glenn, can you guys share like how long you were in the mortgage industry, kind of roughly where you worked, you know, up until that point of deciding to open your own place? Yeah. So I, uh, I started my journey in banking. I call it banking slash mortgage, uh, because it's kind of blended. Mm -hmm. Um, I started out as a part-time seasonal teller for, uh, what was then commerce bank, uh, and was recently acquired by TD bank, uh, which is, I think it's a top 10 bank in the U S right now. I've worked my way up to an assistant manager over, um, six years total of being there throughout that process. I learned the mortgage business, uh, you know, cause they had the genius idea of letting customer service reps with no mortgage experience, um, to, <laughs> to letting us do mortgages. So uh, for anybody that is actually in the mortgage business can, uh, appreciate that that's a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> we did a one day training class called mortgage pro and they taught us the difference between a conventional FHA, VA and USDA loan and how to take an application online like literally like the paint by numbers kind of process. And then they were like, okay, go sell mortgages. So me as someone who 
I never considered myself to be a natural salesperson. The way I compensate for that is is the way I, I describe it is by just being able to out perform everybody in terms of not product knowledge. So that's really what I became known for in the mortgage industry is just knowing guidelines. You know, I'm blessed with a pretty good memory too. Um, so like everybody kind of jokes that I'm like the, the walking, um, 4,000.1 or Fannie Mae, uh, um, selling oh. guide. <laughs> Cause I, I, I can attest you, I've used his brain many times. I never looked at it as like an ego thing or, or it's a mechanism that I created for myself of not being that person that can like bullshit with people and, and be like that, what you would call that traditional natural salesperson that can just has like that gift of gab. I hate small talk. Like it drives, it drives me nuts and I, it's awkward and I don't know how to do it. So, uh, the way I, the way I've always compensated for that is just knowing the mortgage business better than anybody else. After I quit TD bank, I worked for a couple, um, mortgage companies, including uh, most of the time I spent at movement mortgage. So, uh, I worked there for uh, a little over two years, really entrepreneurship and owning a business is it's in my blood um i i, I like to say that i was born with it because you know my my uh parents were small business owners uh, my dad owned two businesses um my gr both of my grandfathers one owned a tv repair shop um back in the 50s which back then was a big deal <laughs> and um my um other grandfather after he um retired from the air force after 33 years he uh helped start my dad start his business and and he he sold playgrounds as well my parents taught me what the concept of profit was at about like eight years old probably um because i wanted to start like a lemonade slash snack stand at the end of my parents driveway and mm. i wanted to sell I wanted to sell the items for less than what I bought them for. And that, so they, they were like, no, you can't do that. You got, you got a profit. I'm like, what's that? And they, they explained it and it blew my mind. Um, and just like from then on, it's, it, it's always been, uh, you know, a dream of mine to, to own my own, you know, real business and, and help change people's lives. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I kind of landed into the mortgage business through working in banking, just, wanting a good job on my resume uh was was kind of my idea in the ahead of time and then um kind of through being a loan officer I'm like oh okay starting a mortgage brokerage isn't that bad there's a lot of work involved and it's pretty crazy but um maybe this is my angle and then i think i'll i'm not going to get into all all i think this is just an intro that i'm probably uh <laughs> going yeah, a little, little over time here so we'll, we'll dig more into like uh you know, all my businesses and all that after let Glenn take some of the thunder here. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Evan. Glenn, how about you? Uh, so I kind of, I grew up around the mortgage industry. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't know that I really was, but my, uh, my mom got into it in 95. And so I was what, nine at the time. Yeah. Just grew up around it. Saw how successful she was at it. Knew that I, she built a team, bought a commercial building, all that kind of stuff, worked for a brokerage. And I knew I wanted to get into it. Personally, though, I knew that nobody was going to get a mortgage from like an 18-year-old kid, though, when I was graduating high school. So I did get my notary at that time just to get a taste of it, was uh, basically doing her signings and stuff. But then I left, joined the Marine Corps for five years, came out, 
had some life experience and joined her in uh, 2010. So did she owned her own business. Like did no, you she, okay. no, she worked for a brokerage that um, it was actually kind of cool to see because they went through the natural progression of brokerage, then correspondent, then they bought a bank, then they became full banker, and then they got bought by Caliber Home Loans in uh, Ooh, wow. 2016. That is so, really interesting. Yeah, so she was with them from that brokerage from 99 through 2016 when they got bought. Uh, and I mean, it was just a phenomenal company, still in contact with a ton of the people. Actually, a handful of our loan officers were from that brokerage, too, because we basically were like, hey, we're going to reinvent First Priority Financial, which was basically the brokerage that we left at. So I started with her in 2010, processing, got licensed, started originating. But uh, about 2017, uh, 2016 is when they got bought on June 1st. So Brexit, that was no fun. Getting bought, trying to figure out how to turn over your entire database because uh, Brexit was happening. So we, we hung out there for about six, seven months. And then we left and opened our own brokerage because it was like we went from a company of 300 to 3,500. And it was just a completely different animal. Mm. Uh, being at a big bank, like my mother, Elise, she brands herself as your mortgage retriever and has her dogs on her business cards. And Caliber was like, that's not with our brand standard. And she was all, oh, really? I'll show you brand standard. She's like, we're getting the hell out of here. I didn't <laughs> and, know that. Yeah. They are very, they are very corporate. That's for extremely, sure. Extremely, It was extremely corporate. I, I don't blame the owners of First Priority at all. I mean, what's your exit plan, right, from brokerage? It was mm -hmm. to it was to sell sell and I think yeah. yeah I think that's the goal for all of us is you yeah. want to build something that you can sell one day um, yeah so I don't hold anything against it. I still talk to them actually on a monthly basis kind of in a mentorship type thing but uh, either way we opened up our own place in 2017 and uh, it's been an adventure ever since then so that's i think it's pretty cool that you opened it up with your mom too yeah but you did something in there glenn you started talking about corporate and yeah that's a word that i don't love so evan both of you have been um retail loan officers right and before coming over to the broker world i know that you hear a lot of myths or a lot of you know, like, oh, you lose control. So what are what are some of the myths um, that you were told about, you know, coming to the broker side or owning a brokerage? Like, what were some of those things that people told you that after coming over, you were like, oh, that wasn't so bad? Or yeah, that's not true. Yeah, I mean, the number one thing is always that it's the lack of control and the lack of support, which as anybody who's in the broker channel, you know, we vehemently disagree with that, that mm -hmm. statement. It, it, we, it, we have more, I mean, I came from a lender that is known as being, you know, probably the best, one of the best lenders in the industry in terms of operations. And I went to the broker channel and it's better in terms <laughs> of control and operations and, and all that. Like there, there literally isn't a lender in retail on the planet that can do what we can do on the most consistent basis. Of course, there are exceptions. You know, you've got your doctor loans, you've got your sure. jumbo sure. loans and stuff like that. So our brokers, you know, bet, better that, that we always say at everything. No, absolutely not. But for the vast majority, 
Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it, you know, 90, 95% of the time, 95% of mortgages that are done every year, we can, we can do better than, than, you know, retail can. So for me, I don't know, like, I wouldn't say that there was anything. It was, it was definitely discovery phase of, you know, really figuring out what the broker channels about and that there, there was at least one lender that could, you know, be on par with movement in terms of getting loans done. And just seeing some some people who have had already done it, like, you know, Glenn, Glenn, I think has about a year head start on me. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that I asked him some questions and and, and all that. He might have been the person that I asked what borrower paid compensation was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a different thing when you're coming from the bank world. Yeah. Like, well, exactly. One of the biggest things that was kind of the fear factor or anything was, mm. oh, a buyback or yes, yes, you yeah, know, something yeah. like that where, and you kind of realize yeah. quickly that you're like, well, it's true third party originators. We're like, we're not underwriting the loans. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we have was, very minimal outside of fraud representation or, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, bro, we're not on the I hook think, for that. Yeah, the I only thing we have yeah, and I think a lot of the time it, you know, it gets broken down into retail versus wholesale, but then really on the wholesale side, there's all these different levels, right? Are you a correspondent? Are you, you know, what are you doing? And for the most part, I would say, what do you say, Evan? 80% of brokers or more are just true third party originators, you know? Yeah, it's got, it's got to be at least in we're our like, community. We're, yeah, we're just, we're just the simple middleman here, right? We're not underwriting loans. We're not making which that 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 in of it that in of itself kind of has that negative connotation, especially with consumers. Is that mortgage brokers? We are that middleman, quote unquote, um, that makes it seem like that we are just like a cog in the wheel that that slows things down. But then, you know, just through education and explaining to consumers that yeah. you know we. We I I've I don't know who originally coined this term. It might have been, might have been. I don't know who it was, but like the broker channel I like to look at is like the the capitalist kind of kind of uh, you know. Yeah. Whereas retail, you're you're captive to you know their their everything that they do. Whereas us, we can go to any lender at any time for any reason and and you know shift our business without having to change our MLS ID. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that's a good point we can that we could talk about here because I think all of us in in this you know in podcast interview are choosing <laughs> we are choosing to be brokers where we could make that move into correspondent into you know different ways of operating. Um, but for anyone listening, we are all choosing to be true third party brokers, and we'll kind of dig into some of those benefits or why here as we you know continue to to have this conversation. We're going to paint all the things I know we all like where we're at. Um, what were some of the difficult things? Just being honest to, for people, what was the hardest stuff? What were the hardest things you experienced getting your company opened up that you kind of, you know, smacked your head against a wall a few times? It's, it's really just, I think it's the unknown more than anything else. They're really, I, I wouldn't say that there's anything that I regret so to speak um glenn started a brokerage with with his mom i started it with uh, my partner paul carson if you have the ability to find somebody or someone you know that is also in retail and and you know dre and megan you guys are partners as well like partner i think having a partner is 
a massive, huge, yeah. massive mm-hmm. boost for you because I started Epic that. Lending. Epic Lending is 100% me, and I still struggle, even though I have staff behind uh, of you know feeling like that I'm responsible for everything. Whereas you know at Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers you know, Paul there and he's running the show and, you know, he, luckily I had his blessing to kind of, you know, do my own thing. And, and I, I'm the one that has the delusions of grandeur that, uh, <laughs> that he does, he doesn't have, uh, you know, cause he's got two young kids and, and, uh, he very much enjoys staying local and, and, uh, he's still originating as well. You know, luckily I, I had his blessing to start Epic Lending, but, I wouldn't recommend starting a company on your own, you know, unless you really just want to be a solo operator. Yeah, and even, even even then it's difficult. Well, I remember too, Evan, you had the springboard of Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers too. You did it once with a partner to then go open Epic, right? I think we can all agree that if all of us were going to go open, we could all go open another brokerage right now because we've done yeah. it before. We've seen what the pitfalls are, right? And a lot of it is just like Evan said, the unknown. You just haven't done it before. Oh, this is where I file for an LLC. This is what I have to do with this. Really a lot of the business side of it. Then you sprinkle on all of the NMLS and the specific state regulators and their requirements. And you're more of just like, look, I know I'm not dumb. Why does this make me feel like I'm dumb right now? What is going on here? I I can't believe that that paperwork didn't go through. You know, and I would say that that combined with just kind of figuring out as you go. And I know Evan and I are both very good at researching stuff, learning by ourselves, like from YouTube and whatever it is. You can learn anything nowadays, but and asking people questions. But it is the time investment. Mm -hmm. If you have a retail loan officer that's like, no, I just want more margin and I'm killing it right now by doing a ton of loans. You need to go work at a brokerage. Or just stay where you're at, not mm-hmm. open your own. Mm-hmm. Right? If you don't want to mess with it. Yeah. You're going to burn so much time in that first year, which is yeah. minutia, you know, which is that a, you're like going to lose that you're saying this. I love that you're saying this, Glenn, because one of the questions, right, Evan? Yeah. I, and I, I just hosted a call for Christine uh, Beckwith's uh, coaching. And, um, and that was one of my things is like the first six months to a year, you're just trying to figure out what the hell you're doing. Forget loans. <laughs> like, like I said with Glenn, like I didn't know what borrower paid compensation was when I went into the broker channel and you can come up with any number of different things you will. And even past that year, you're going to be distracted with business management type stuff. So mm-hmm. before you start a brokerage, what you really need to put yourself in the right frame of mind of what you want, what, what is most important to you is owning a business that important to you, then yeah, you start a broker shop. But if you're just focused on originating and you want to build an origination business and do all, it's probably not in your best interest to uh, start your own broker shop. You know, because yeah. I've hired I've hired the seventy five million dollar year producers, and they're like, I have no interest in starting like my I just own produce. because I I want to produce, I want to write loans, everything else is a distraction. So if it, I all and the other thing, is, loan officers are typically salespeople. Salespeople aren't always cut out for owning a business. Yep. In 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 my in my opinion, that, um, and and the way. Sorry, go ahead, Evan. 
Yeah. So, and for me, like I, I, this, I always catch heat for this, for saying this. And, uh, but I, I will always stand by it is that you don't really own a business until you have a business that can outlive you. You're a, you're basically Very a sole true. proprietor. You're a sole proprietor at that point. You're, you're yourself. Like it's not a business, a business that can't be sold in my opinion is not a business. It's just you created you. a fancy job. Yeah, yeah. you created you exactly created for yourself. Yeah. Yep. You're essentially you're essentially an independent contractor at yeah. the end of the day. I would say that over the last couple of years and it's to gotten toned down a little bit, but definitely 2018 and 19 there was a lot of uh it was the hip thing to do. And it was kind of like you just do you've been in the industry for 6 months and you think this is what you're supposed to be doing type thing because Again, people were getting distracted by, well, I could just pivot and go to a different lender and make more here. And the margins are better from what I'm getting paid as an LO in the retail channel. In reality, though, you have to take a look at it. And circling back to that theme we were just talking about, it's very much like, and this doesn't even, this doesn't even specific to mortgage. It's anything. You go from the sales side to management, mm -hmm. your pay will go down. It's like going to a non-producing branch manager. And yes, there's the exceptions, right? But for all intents and purposes, if you have somebody that is just an absolute killer and they can they can originate on a monthly basis, but then they go, well, I'm really good at this. Why not open up a brokerage? You go, look, you better be prepared to pull that rubber no. band back for two to three years. You know, no, because no, no, no joke, even still, like I know, like if I was originating today, I'd be maybe be making more money. 100% right now than than me not originating. Uh, just just from all of the referrals I get from you know if I just took every referral that that people gave me and I and I closed them I would be making more money now today than I am not originating. Yeah, but you're thinking five and ten years out. Well, and I think this is interesting, exactly. guys. Exactly. And I think this is interesting I'm because this really plays into the different stages of businesses. And Andre and I have mm -hmm. gone through the same thing for someone, let's say who. You know, one of the interviews we did was with someone who has, you know, one man shop closed five loans before closing seven or eight now doesn't have any staff, doesn't have any of that. Right. That person's making a lot more. It's still just them. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you get into starting to build bigger businesses like ours and things do change. Right. And so really getting clear because you're right. Andre and I both were big producers. And we cannot produce like we produced before. We don't have the time for it. We're buried in other stuff. And, you know, we've really had to dig into how can we still make the same, you know, same amount of money and run this business the right way and be profitable and all of that, which I think is a whole nother topic that, that could be covered. But Evan, can you share just really quickly, you started your first brokerage then opened another one you know why two like what 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 was the reasoning thinking how were they different there were it was twofold um number one it was a branding thing so we had philadelphia mortgage brokers and even if i created a dba epic lending like you've got philadelphia mortgage brokers and the disclosures and all that it just didn't make sense from a branding standpoint to to do that and then like i said paul wasn't interested in in uh you know starting a brokerage that you know on a national platform but you know he was very receptive and encouraging and of me going out and doing it myself so um that was kind of the idea behind starting epic lending and that was through my uh work helping consulting for uh the arrive project back then it like you know 
it was still an idea at that point. And here we are almost three years later now from when I was helping on that project, that it's finally a system that is that I that it was set out to do and, and revolutionize technology for the broker channel and, and level of, I call actually democratize technology for the broker channel it is probably the better word because now we can have the same tech or better than than retail can at, you know, as a small company. And you don't have to worry about running into those issues of uh, not being able to have access to enterprise software um, at the end of the day. So through working, th you know, with Arrive, I was like, oh, wow. I have a really great opportunity here to build a company that will support loan officers throughout the country. Um, and when you have everything connected, um, you know, it's a lot easier to, um, you know, bring people into the broker channel. Of course, we still have that with Arrive, um, but, you know, hopefully later, further down the road, those integrations will get deeper so that, you know, maybe one day we have one system that we work in and don't, never have to log into a lender portal anymore. Um, uh, and probably a pipe dream, but <laughs> no, but I had someone argue with me this past weekend and that was, you know, they own a, a type of retail correspondent and they, they said that they're like, you, you don't have the technology. And for any of you listening in the last two years, the broker channel has changed dramatically. There is now organizations that bring brokers together and the, and what Evan's talking about, he played an integral, integral part in this organization that, got all of the wholesale lenders or a, a group of them to invest money into a software that connects directly so that brokers can operate with a good handful of lenders directly with their systems. Mm -hmm. The, the technology's there. It, I mean, it it's the best I've seen in the industry, being at retail and an old brokerage and owning yeah, my I've used at least half of the LOS platforms out there available, uh, you know, between working for other companies and, and, you know, the two between the other, the one we used prior to arrive. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And it, and really at the end of the day, what I, what I look for most in a vendor slash technology partner is what are you doing to continually stay ahead of the game and and build and something that software and technology moves so quickly so you can't have a software platform that's living in 2005 and try to use it in 2021 it just it doesn't work that way and at some point our industry will get to will will get to a point from a techno technological standpoint that if you're using this legacy tech, you're going to get left in the dust. And there's a it bunch of them be, out there. It it could be five years, it could be ten years. Who knows? There, but one thing that's an that's inevitable is the technology is going to take over our industry at some point. So you have to make a decision of whether you want to be a part of that evolution or do you want to stay with the dinosaurs <laughs> is really the, really the way I look at it. And, and, you know, people say, you know, say I'm like kind of like a fear monger and all that. Of course, there's going to be mortgage brokers around for the, the rest of time probably. And it's, it's just that there's going to be so much of the market share is going to be ripped away from the end like the local independent loan originator. I think that, the only way you can stay ahead of the game is if you're playing the game that all these fintechs are going to be doing.
But you bring up a great point, Evan, in regards to technology, being able to keep up with it. I mean, regardless of what industry or what business you're in, I think technology is going to play a big role. Are you guys happy with the way that your business is running now? Do you have plans to change it or scale it? Or how do you plan to, you know, keep up with the times? Or let's say that those people are right and realtors and loan officers are going to be wiped out, right? Because there's that crowd. And then there's the crowd that says, well, you're always going to need humans. So, you know, how do you guys plan to change um, and or scale your business? Because Glenn, for you, I know you have, I don't even know how many branches you have at this point. Can you guys share that? Can you share how many people you have, like just roughly LOs and support mm-hmm. staff and a roughly unit volume of what you close a month, just so people can understand the size of your businesses. Philadelphia mortgage brokers will finish the year, probably about a hundred million dollars in volume. And I think we have about around 15 ish people last I checked. And then, um, Epic lending, we are on pace, I think to do 250 million roughly. Um, and we've got 30, 30 something. Um, and just hired like 18 people in the last two months. So I, I can't keep track, but about 50 people total. We've got uh, about 30 people total. Um, LOs, I think we have 12 and the rest is support. And some of them are like, hey, processors for a specific, uh, you know, LO, stuff like that. Um, and we're trending for about 380 million. Jesus. Yeah, your your company is about the size of ours, Glenn. Yeah. And like how what many, about how many units? units? Yeah, how many <laughs> units? Yeah. Uh the amount of units, actually, I just had that up. Fifteen. Uh, like year, like we're we, gonna do 15 no, think, units for three hundred eighty million. Gonna be like four hundred units. No, I think it was like eight hundred units. Uh right now we're at oh, we're on pace for more. We're at two hundred and eight million on five hundred units. Are you where are you guys? You guys are in California, right? California, Texas, and Colorado. So, two, I'll have to look because that's somewhat similar to ours. I think our companies are very well, our, our Colorado drags us way down. <laughs> oh, who are you? It drags you to like 300 average. No, they're yeah, their average is like 180, 200. What part, the, what part of Colorado are they in? Grand Rapids. Oh, I don't even know where that it's is. It's on the other side of the rock. It's on the west side of the Rockies. Right uh, the so there's yeah. nobody there. <laughs> so they do a lot of volume and, or excuse me, a lot of units in low volume compared to the rest of us. I was yeah. about to say, because we do we do a ton of business in Colorado Springs and our average loan amount is like about 320 there. Yeah. So you guys are, it sounds like you guys are both, I mean, you're decent sized for somebody who's just thinking about starting, even if they have a small team or it's just them. What I really want, some people to hear is there are people out there who feel like they were born to own their own business, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's just a, it's almost like a feeling, right? Like it's a, I know I want something that's my own, you know, I can build, nobody's telling me what to do. And I guess for me, that's what confuses me about loan officers. You hear how people switch companies every two to three years, let's say, instead of looking to open your own business, because it's like they think they need to find the right bank to find what they need. And it does kind of go against what you guys said, you know, maybe go work for a brokerage. So maybe if they're just switching retail, I mean, why do you think loan officers do that instead of considering or looking into the broker channel and becoming their own, you know, business owner? Yeah. and And I think that, you know, working for a brokerage, you kind of get sort of the best of both worlds because you get the benefits of the bro the true benefits of the broker channel 
without all the nonsense of, of, of business management. So that's why there are so many people out there who just work for other broker shops because they just have no interest in running. I think it's a, uh, it's like a philosophical thing that you have from within yourself of, of whether you want to own a bit. It's pretty simple. Do you want to own a business yourself and build something yourself? Or do you just want to make money and, and be a salesperson for somebody else? I mean, cause you get basically the ultimate freedom either way. You're an independent loan originator that has access to however many lenders your brokers signed up with your broker owner signed up with and and uh you don't have to worry about managing business hiring people all that kind of stuff there's no right or wrong decision to make when you're doing that it's it's a conversation you have to have your, with yourself at the end no. of the day for me for me it was a no-brainer i always knew i wanted to own my own business and i have massive goals for myself of what i want to build it into that's just how i was born and raised at the end of the day yeah think about think about the average loan officer though everybody thinks they're special right they want to get the awards they want the flight to hawaii they want all the fancy shit, right buy well, high flights to hawaii if they right but wholes but wholesale it's a little bit more i don't know it's just not as flashy as retail right where, we don't have the money to be flashy. <laughs> right. That's, and that's what I mean, though. But the difference is passed down. A lot of the difference is, yeah, the LO is going to get a little chunk of that. But a lot of the savings is passed down to the consumer as well, which should allow them to do more business. You're always going to have that subset of LOs. It's like, no, nah, I'm fine getting paid a point or 110 basis points, but I'm part of the president's circle and going to get treated like all special and stuff. It's like, hey, that's fine. There's always going to be that that subset of LOs always mm -hmm. you know so it's not as just cut and dry as like why aren't you going to the brokerage dummy and then the whole other aspect is the people that want to actually own their own business where that is a total hey there's a lot of late nights and hard work and weekends and stuff like that that <clears throat> at some point we've all been there where we sit there and we go this sucks. Like you spend a whole Saturday doing something that then you've realized you either did it wrong or you didn't actually have to do it. And you were kind of like, but I know this had to get done for the business sake. A lot of LOs are like, screw that. Like, I'm just good at talking to realtors, selling loans. And, uh, you know, I want to get my president's club award type thing. That's fine. Evan and I will hire you any day. Okay. <laughs> we just well, here. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's good because you guys do have these big companies, which comes with this whole other subset of responsibilities and, and problems. And it's been hard for Andre and I too, to kind of think back to when we first opened our brokerages, what would you say is the best parts when you co when you go from that retail side over if it's an employee in a brokerage, if it's owning the brokerage, what are some of the things that you're like, holy shit, how, what, what, you can do this, huh? For, yeah, for me, for me, it's, it's seeing people come over here and they, and they see, and they see the light. So like when I have these recruiting calls, I'm like, you know, I can tell you everything about Epic Lending and the broker channel and all that kind of stuff. But I was, there's one kind of intangible that, is going it's inevitable it's going to happen but i can't tell you to what degree your business is going to explode basically just by doing nothing because your pricing is typically going to be so much better that you're not going to lose deals anymore and you are um 
you're not going to lose deals that you didn't even realize you lost. <laughs> like nobody tracks how much business they've lost, really. Until you come I, over I, and grow. I don't. Yeah, and then you come over to the mortgage business. Like I have the, the branch manager of this this large 17, 18 person team branch that I just brought brought on to Epic Lending. He's like, he's a producing branch manager, and he's like, holy shit, Evan. I was like, I my business is up like fifty percent, and I'm not I'm not even fully over here yet. <laughs> so it's like supply versus demand and, and and price. I mean, at the end of the day, if your price is lower, you're gonna get more consumers. That's just that's the way it is. It, it That's just business 101, no matter what industry you're in. If you have a lower price, you're going to sell more of that product or service. And you get, you can still make a lot of money in the broker channel as well. It's still uh, it's very confusing to me seeing all these, uh, these retail LOs that are just sticking it out there when, you know, you can come over here and, you know, you get a couple lenders that you can literally close your own loans essentially um you know you hop in there and you can have docs out in 15 minutes whereas you know you're waiting for two days <laughs> at most really? lenders to get, well, to get that out so it, i was gonna say we just had uh someone join and the, the reason why i asked that question because you either think that people are exaggerating or you hear something and you're not sure if it's true a loan officer we just brought over from correspondent he forgot to ask one thing. And so his first day he goes, he goes, you know, I have a question about getting closing on time. He's like, because at the correspondent, we I would literally create my CD and get it out because he knew that his, the processor or whoever wasn't going to do it so he could control that. And I'm like, well, you don't have to do that here. You just send a request over. Oh, so you can send them out before you're cleared to close. I'm like, yes. <laughs> like they just you just don't know you don't know right the best things about it has been the complete opposite of retail from with the retail uh you're captive right so whatever that operational turn time is you're stuck right and in wholesale you're kind of like well that lender obviously left their foot on the gas too long or whatever you know they their pricing's been too good for too long and their turn times just went to absolute dog shit. so we're going to go to a different lender but what comes with that too is that these lenders are vying for your business. It's not where it's like, well, get in line, buddy. It's right. more of like, hey, what can we do for you to help bring you more business to us? And we're kind of like, well, this is a nice change, <laughs> you know, that they're they're asking right. to like help, not just being like, I don't know, figure it out. You, we, you, I know you can't send it anywhere else, <laughs> you know, you got to send exactly, it to your operations exactly. center or wherever. It's yeah, almost so. like where appraisals right. used to be. We used to be able to order from who we wanted right. to and they'd buy for our business. When it switched to the AMCs, we feel like it seems like that was somewhat of your experience in retail and ours too. Like you, you get what you get versus yeah. Yeah. we get to place with whoever we want like it used to be right. ordering appraisals. And Glenn, you, uh, you've used that word a few times now, captive. And I think I'm, I'm going to steal that word um, for sure because – I just, I don't know that a lot of people like, I try to get it through their brain. Like you said, you're captive to, if that underwriter doesn't like you, if those processors don't like you, if that executive team doesn't like you, if those managers don't like you where you work. Or there's an overlay that gets put in place or something. You're captive. Like yeah. that's it, you know, versus being a broker. And Megan, you, you keep asking that question. Like, why do you think loan officers move every two to three years? And it's because they're captive, right? Like they didn't get along with that manager. They didn't get along with that underwriter. They didn't get, so they got to keep moving. 
But if you come to the broker side, it's like, you're not captive. You, you don't like XYZ lender. Well, ZZZ lender will do you much better. So like, you don't have to keep moving, you know, you don't have to keep moving your license. This business is, this business is tough. Like you, operations is difficult. Like no lender is running at a hundred percent. 100% 100% of the time mm-hmm. there everybody is going to even the best lenders we have in the broker channel they'll get log jammed and there's bottlenecks and things slow down a little bit the difference is that we can quickly pivot and go over to this other lender and it solves the problem like that instantly um whereas if you're working for another your retailer you're yeah. you're stuck you're stuck with that there's nothing there's nothing you can do with it uh of course there are some great lenders out there where that where that's kind of limited, but it's a human driven business. You know, you could have somebody, you could have a great company one day and then an operations person quits and takes, you know, 20 people with them. And then overnight, your great company sucks. Sometimes when I've talked to people who are in the, like as non-broker of any type and they'll say, oh, but but we can broker loans. How different. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I I think this is a good thing to at least bring up. Maybe Glenn, you can touch on that because it's my, my favorite argument. In broker, it, how different is that from being a broker? Before I answer, I do want to touch one second because I know that it's like, okay, brokers are better, all this kind of stuff. We're bringing up some really good points and we need to acknowledge too that the whole aspect of being able to pivot from lender to lender does make it extremely advantageous for us as brokers, for our clients, all that. It does not make it super easy on operations. That's always the thing. It's like, look, brokers are not always better. If you're having to flip from one system to another, completely learn their system of how they do things, we can get an early CD out and all that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I can't even figure out the login for this damn place. (laughs) Trying to to get in there and, oh, we request disclosures here. It's not self-serve and we can't send them ourselves. So there are some aspects of it where it's not all perfect on the broker side. Some lenders, it's just embarrassing how far behind their technology is and uh, we won't use them because of that. But sometimes you're forced, you're pigeonholed into having to go to a lender because of multiple different factors. But it isn't like it's all the same exact system and you're just changing the name of the lender. You know what I mean? It's, It's a completely different aspect, different operations people, different account executives, different things that come along with, hey, maybe that pricing is a half point better. You're like, you really want to have your teeth pulled though? Or what are you doing here? As business owners, we need to be very careful about, you know, who we really want to align ourselves with for those wholesalers, because who's a true partner, who's going to help us out rather than just who's the cheapest on the rate sheet. I spent a lot of my time doing that and and being intentional about building those relationships. I'm a relationship guy. So um, that's what I would encourage people to do, whether you're, you're coming into the broker channel as an owner or just an LO is focus on those relationships, build, you know, build a solid foundation with a small number of lenders. um, And then you're going to, you know, you'll find that your business, um, you know, is going to operate you know, pretty pretty smoothly for the most part it's a it's definitely it's a balance and i think that's the fun part about being a broker is is fleshing through all of that yeah and i think megan to answer your question originally i think that's part of the reason where people oh we can broker you're like then how come oh yeah better how come don't you 
because they're they're capped you're, into you're, that, you, you know you're the, not allowed to you're not allowed to broker based on price it's just yeah that's my favorite question so, i remember when we went over to where we went to and we had to broker a loan that brokering department was like we can't do that until you get this this and this and i was like oh no 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 i know that rep like you don't need all of this before you do that. Yeah. This is not how you do that. Like this is how you do it. So it was like, don't, don't try to be, don't try to advertise that you're everything when right. you're not. No. And then um, also I wanted to say is a little bit of a spin on like what uh, Evan, what you said. So you guys have about a dozen places. We, we have about 30 lenders that we're signed up with, but if you want to use my corporate processing pool of processors, we only have five lenders. Ooh, because this, I'm, this is interesting. Can you expand on that, Glenn? Yeah, so we have 30 because, I mean, because we have some LOs that have their own processors in their branch, right? That's like, hey, go ahead. You can use whoever you'd like that we're signed up with for, oh, you happen to do a bunch of like tree houses and geodesic domes and bullshit. There's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> You know, it's like, but it's like, I don't want to limit them, but I'm like, look, if you're going to use our corporate processing, right. So essentially our in-house, uh, there's only five lenders and they're pretty mainstream lenders that we work with. That way our processors aren't like absolutely just slamming their head against the wall. They know how to use those five. The reps right. know our processors for those five. Right. And if we have an in-house L or excuse me, an LO that uses in-house processing, that has that one-off deal. I'm like, you either need to refer that to another LO in the company or you're self-processing because you're not doing it with our processors. I'm not going to have them waste a half a day to learn a system for a, for that one-off deal that, you know, million-dollar manufactured home or something that you got. With <laughs> this is super go. valuable in general because <laughs> we all have companies that are very similar in size and people and this is why collaborating is so important because yeah. we all could learn things that, we each do that could help each other's businesses. I mean, it's just super interesting. Yeah, and we'll we'll cycle them in and out on a quarterly basis. We basically relegate them like soccer, where we're like, "Hey, you guys screwed up. You're getting benched for the next quarter." So that's been kind of a hard conversation with the AE, where they're like, "Oh, I know," and I'm like, "You've got three months to fix your shit, and then we'll revisit you coming back to being a preferred lender." So you're still going to get business from the other LOs. Just not and what you're doing and what you're doing, Glenn, is you're creating that repeatable process with yeah, a small because so that so. that's the that's the goal is to create that repeatable process every single time. And you mm -hmm. can never do that if you're using, you know, more than five lenders. Yes. Um, you know, because you can yeah, having those five and and a that that core process. And, and my, my whole thing is it gets, it, it's frustrating for me because I'm a control guy. I like being able to control the experience. And that's one thing with, with Epic lending is that, you know, a lot of people they self process or we have centralized processing, we have processing in the branch, that kind of thing. And luckily everybody operates well, but when you lose that control of the processing yeah. piece, the consumer experience can vary and and i i like that consistency uh, of the consumer the consumer experience so that that was one thing that philadelphia mortgage brokers has in the bag and i know you guys uh, megan and and dre you you have that centralized operations that 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 consumer's getting the same experience every time and you can so, count on that 
one of the other loan officers that we're interviewing actually asked this question in, in the one group that we're in. He was like, hey, do you guys let your loan officers like, I don't want to say run a muckus, but do you let them, you know, use whatever CRM and whatever process they want? Um, and, and the answers, you know, we're all different, which again, just goes back to like, you know, if you are considering becoming a broker, if you are deciding to become an entrepreneur, all we're doing is wanting to give you the information so you can see that we three have three different successful businesses. We each run them a completely different way. There is no right or wrong way. Uh, we're all doing over a hundred million. Um, and then, you know, we had the, the solo entrepreneur earlier and, you know, she's like, I'm closing five to seven loans and I'm making it rain and I'm completely happy. Right. Um, and so again, just, there's so many ways to skin a cat and there's no right or wrong reason. As long as you put that vision together, that plan together, um, and then you execute on that, right. Because nobody can tell you that your dreams and your hopes are, are not yours. Like they're yours to chase. So whatever it is that you want that to look like for yourself, um, write that down and then just execute on that. No. And we appreciate, gosh, we need, we need to have like just a separate little meeting to do stuff like this. Cause it, it is, it, like I said, it's super interesting, I guess, to kind of start wrapping things up. Um, what would be your number one takeaway or tip for anyone who is considering but hasn't really like made that leap or they think they want to do it, what would be your number one takeaway tip, whatever it is to get them in that place that they feel more comfortable? It was always easy for me that I, I always knew I wanted to own a business. And I, I feel like it's an, it's a pretty easy decision for most people to make is that do you want to own a business or you do you not want to own a business? And like, you know, going into starting a business that like Glenn said, a lot of long hours, weekends, all that. You, it's basically, I don't have kids, but the way I look at my businesses is they're my children. Like I, I always, I'm glued to them nonstop and you have to be prepared. I guess if you're like a solopreneur, it's not too bad. Like you're, you don't have much to worry about. It's just your loans, your customers and, yeah. and, and all that. But as soon as you hire your first person, you're, it's not about yourself. It's not. Yeah. It's not about yourself anymore. You got to decide whether, if you want to take that leap of hiring somebody, whether you are up for that task or not. And and I don't think that that like there's no advice there. You either you either want it or you don't. I, I would say you need to look at what's the motivation. Is it purely monetary? Is it freedom? Is it wanting to? Uh, build a legacy. What is it? Because if it's money in the next year, don't open your own brokerage. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you're thinking five, three, <laughs> five, ten years out, and it's like, look, I want to create a self-perpetual motion machine here to give me the freedom that I just need, I can adjust at will, then yeah, opening a brokerage is probably for you, but it takes staying power. I mean, it's the same thing, you guys, if, when we're talking to people and they're like, well, I'm thinking about becoming a real estate agent because I can make my own hours and get more time with my kids. You know, a huge lie. Right? Like, <laughs> little, little do you know, you, you got to yeah. work 80 hours a week to be successful as a realtor. <laughs> and we're like, you, you got to have uh, like six to 12 months worth of staying power in the bank account. Like it's going to take a while to get up and going. And but yeah, I would just dissect what's the motivation for it. Right. No, I think that's great. I. For Dre and I, a big thing hit was 
we could not stand being told no. We couldn't stand being told you can't market this way. You can't sign mm -hmm. up with yeah. this. You don't have this product. You're like, but so, it's compliant. It's I, 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 yeah, I, as long I, as it's compliant, yeah. and I also have learned I'm unemployable because people can't stand <laughs> people can't stand me telling them how to run their business. So yeah. it works both ways. I mean, I got kicked out on my ass and had to just do it. But you know, and there might be some of you listening that that is your reality. If if you know, if you really can't stand being told what to do, this might be the right route for you. That's true. I definitely have that. Uh, what do we call it? That, that disease too, <laughs> of, 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 of not wanting to be told no. We really appreciate you guys coming on, sharing your experience, your journey. You know a little bit about your businesses. This has been interesting for me too. And uh, where's the best place if anyone listening would love to just go check out your company, like your website? We'll put it in the show notes. But if you could just share the best way people could get in touch with you, that would be great. Uh, yeah, so uh, epiclending.com. You can see it's spelled E P O C H. Um, I guess you can't really see because it's probably not going to be recording, but E P O C H L E N D I N G.com. Uh, Facebook obviously is an easy place to go to see everything that's going on, too, especially with me. That's kind of where that's my CRM, basically. <laughs> yeah, Facebook is a great place to find us, as well as uh, gtgfi.com. TTGFI. Perfect. We will put those in the show notes. So if anyone would like to reach out and ask Evan or Glenn questions, or if you're a loan officer in the states that they are in, and it's something that you want to consider as well. Um, now you know a little bit more about them and the types of brokerages that, that they are running. Awesome. So thanks again, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me.